as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. What is good, everybody? We are back for another edition of the Top Pair Podcast. I am your host, it is Eric Weinstein, and with me, as always, the newly clean-shaven Nick Maxwell. Nick, forgot what you look like without a beard. Yeah, I had to shave it this weekend because we're doing a trip. Uh, the the my the the lady friend, I guess that's what I'll call her. The valet. <laughs> she is my girlfriend. She is my girlfriend. Yeah. But yeah, we're doing a trip this weekend, and I know she wants to get some pictures done. And she like didn't hint at it as so much as just uh, kind of say like, "Can you please just like for this one weekend do it?" And I was like, "Okay, fine, whatever. Wait, Small like, price to pay." Like pictures, like professional pictures. No, kind of. I mean, Whoa. we're going to do, like, the touristy stuff, so I think oh, we're going to take a lot it. of photos. So she's going to post, like, a long Instagram thing of it, so. I don't think I follow her. I probably should follow her. Um, anyway, that's, you know, that's a story for another time. Um, so we have a lot to talk about this week. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to go through the housekeeping real quick. going to try to break my record from two weeks ago. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I already screwed it up. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker Radio, Public Pocket Cast, Audio Boom. You can find us on the homepage of the A1 Sports Network. That's a1sportsnetwork.com. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A1 Sports Network. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I've been slacking on the Instagram at TopPair underscore pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein, two C's, two N's. Nikki. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Maxwell01 or on Instagram at Nick J. Maxwell. There we go. Okay, so... Something that we kind of started to talk about last week, but we uh, stopped talking in detail about it because we wanted to see how everything would play out. Um, it is the the situation with the Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle Beach. Um, starting off again by saying, you know, how Nick and I, we stand with Kyle Beach, of course, how brave he is. I know I said this last week, but the bravery that he showed, you know, to come out as, as John Doe and, you know, just... Everything that came out involving, you know, the Blackhawks front office, that Stan Bowman and McIsaac are out. Um, now it came out that Florida Panthers head coach, former Florida Panthers head coach, Joel Quenville is now out as the head coach of the Florida Panthers. Andrew Brunette took over. Um, for some reason, he coached last Wednesday's game and after he did not speak with the media and then... The next day, he was out. So I guess, Nick, we'll start there. Um, you you kind of had to see this one coming. Yeah, I'm not really surprised. I mean, I guess kind of just like summarize it, right? Like 2010, 2009-10, Stanley Cup champion team. Um, Kyle Beach was a former first-round pick, drafted 11 overall. He was what's called a black ace in the NHL, which basically means that during – you know, the playoff run, you have obviously your normal roster, but then you have basically a group of practice players in case somebody gets injured or suspended or sick or whatever. Um, Kyle Beach was a member of that team, which shows that the organization thought a lot about him to kind of hang around and be a potential really important piece to the overall playoff run. Um, you know, he then alleged that he was obviously sexually assaulted uh, by by Brad Aldrich. And moving forward, he... he told the story about how he ruined his career and how he ruined his life, basically. The emotional distress that he had, it, it suffered, caused him to suffer depression, anxiety. He said he, he even got a divorce over it because him and his wife couldn't be as intimate as they wanted to be. And for however many years, the Blackhawks somehow covered this up. And it started all the way from the top with Stan Bowman and then all the way down 
through the AHL team with guys like Kevin Sheveldayoff. I, I, I don't know. Like, to kind of, like, go deep into this, like, there's just so many things that bother me about it, right? Like, number one, you're not predicting if you're the Blackhawks. I mean, you're not – this isn't, like, Joel Quempo has been accused of this or Dan Bowman has been accused of this. This is video coach, right? Like, for for comparison purposes, a video coach is, like, like the equivalent of, like, those quality control positions in the NFL. Right. It's an entry-level position. They're a dime a dozen. You, you usually get those positions because you know somebody but you in the league, but you never actually played pro hockey. And I think that's, like, one of the things that's been bothering me the most is that what if this was Joel Quenville or what if this was Jonathan Taze or Patrick Kane or the owner himself? And for them to come out and just kind of destroy his character when these accusations first came out, the entire team, with the exception of Brent Sopel and Nick Boynton, basically denying that they ever even heard about this when – it shows in the fact in the report that I read about forty to fifty pages of that says you know that the whole team everything. and teams yeah. even knew it you know by mocking him during the game or during practices the following season and it just like the entire failure on just not just the Blackhawks but just the overall league right like Bettman holding a press conference talking about how he can he wasn't condoning this and he you know gave him a two million dollar fine. But then at the same time, refused to answer Rick Westhead's questions during the press conference. And to me, it's like you almost need to hold a press conference to fix that press conference. Right. Right. It was a disaster. <laughs> and just the terrible tone that was said at that. And like, and then just the Florida Panthers and like Bill Zito, I know you didn't have anything to do with it, but how tone deaf are you? Like, you can't just say, well, it's not, I'm not in that organization, but you're, you're in the league, right? And you're in this together. And it reminded me of when Bettman was like, well, I didn't I didn't ask about it because the Blackhawks told me that it had no merit. It's like, really? Like if it's like it's like if a parent, you know, if their kid did something stupid, like and you think that it's not gonna be held against you, like what are you talking about? I just I didn't understand any of this that's been happening. And I think the league is going to be at a really bad tipping point, right? Because so many players have come out and said that they no longer trust the Players Association. Donald Fuhrer openly admitted that the, NH- that the NHL Players Association failed Kyle Beach on that occasion. And I, I'm really worried about the future of this league and the future of the sport because when you have a commissioner that the owners are, are starting to lose trust in, when you have a Players Association that the players are starting to lose trust in, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, I don't think it's going to go into like any sort of defunct period, but there's going to be a lot of unraveling, and I still feel like somehow there's more that's going to come out from this story and the ripple effect of it. So, I mean, I'll, I'll have one more point, and then I'll stop talking. No, but listen, not a problem. I, I just – I don't understand how – and this is in any sport, right? Like we've seen this with gymnastics. You know, we've seen this many times in football – like why people continue to put profit and success over the safety of people. And I, I don't know what it takes after this for people to finally get that through their heads. I'm really, this invokes a massive player movement in the NHL at least, because I think in a certain aspect, I, I think I tweeted this out. Like you need to almost just burn this whole thing down and start over new. Well said. Um, and, and I agree. And I mean, the thing that, that bothers me the most is there's this this piece of garbage little 
130-pound puke, Brad Aldrich. That is that is the one who, with the I have to say alleged the alleged assault on on Kyle Beach. Like you said, these guys are a dime a dozen. It shouldn't as soon as anybody hears that, and you know it's tough to put yourself in anybody's shoes. But as, from a human aspect here. As soon as Kyle Beach comes forward and says, this is what happened, you know, this is what he did, he said, whatever it was, you know, it is, something's got to be done. And I understand you're in a Stanley Cup playoff run, but these, it, that, that has to be second at the, the human aspect of this. And the way they said it, they, the, the league, the Players Association, the Blackhawks, they all failed Kyle Beach. And I have... um. Everybody's favorite agent, Alan Walsh, he had a field day with the Gary Bettman press conference. His quote was, I'm hearing this morning that several NHL owners are very concerned and unhappy with Gary Bettman's leadership. I think even the owners realize it's time for a change in the NHL and culture. Only changes from the top down. It is time to fire Bettman. From the way Gary has mismanaged the horrific effects and events in Chicago is refusing to acknowledge a link between traumatic brain injury and CTE, for doing nothing to help retired players, for calling the NHL a family, for the Department of Player Suspensions, for the way the game is marketed, for the lack of any coherent global strategy, um, turning his back on issues like painkillers, ambient and tor- tortal abuse, for his lack of empathy and caring, for his three lockouts, all the lies, it's time for Gary to go, end quote. So, I think at Walsh kind of, you know, sums it up for the league, and he sums it up for... You know what the you know what the players the owners you know I'm not I'm not advocating for Gary to be gone but I mean he this is a a terrible job done by him and you know the league they failed this player this promising young player who reports of a sexual assault but because the team is in a Stanley Cup run they said well let's put that to the back burner and it really puts a black eye on what was really kind of like the last great dynasty we've had in the NHL it was the the dynasty of the decade last you know last decade so really puts a black eye on all that you know it's just Quinville needed to go you know all the the entire Blackhawks front office whether it be Bet uh, not Batman uh, Bowman McIsaac they all needed to go and hopefully you know the healing for Kyle Beach can begin you know him his health his mental health first and foremost is the most important I think in this you know you want to make sure he can heal finally has some closure, can finally move on. You know, Aldrich's name was removed off the Stanley Cup. There's going to be X's on his name now. You know, just, you know, it, it for lack of a better term, breaks my heart for this guy. His career was ruined by this. A, a young, promising player ruined his life. And, you know, hopefully now he can he can heal, he can build his life back up, and, you know, we can finally put an end to this. Yeah, and I just can't believe, too, it's like you... you make the guy leave, basically, you ask for his resignation, and then you give him a glowing letter of review to work with kids. And then he sexually the assaulted a minor. I, I, I read and I that just, and was sick. Absolutely yeah, I just, sick. I can't fucking believe that. And I mean, even to the guys who I, I mean, we've had conversations about how much I love Jonathan Taze, the player and the person. And the way that they were talking about how, you know, he had respect for Stan, and Stan has always done right by Jonathan Taze. And it's like, like I just I, when he gave that press conference and those comments, I'm like, but no one's talking about how he treated you. That's not the point of what that they're was, asking. That was right not now. the time. And Jackie Redman yeah. brought that up on 
I think it was uh, on NHL Network. She, I retweeted what she said because she's like, "That's great that you have this, you know, wonderful relationship with Stan Bowman, but nobody cares about that right now." You know, I think Taves, Taves and Kane, they dropped the ball. That's they, they just should have kept either kept their mouth shut or you know not said what they said and said something different, but completely dropped the ball, Taves and Kane. Yeah, and then when he talked about how, like, you know, he didn't know Kyle that well and, and he didn't really associate with the Black Aces, that part of it is actually true, right? Yeah. Like, Black Aces don't actually practice with the team during playoffs. They don't have the same dressing room with the team. They're really isolated in themselves. But, like, I don't know. Like, if multiple guys are saying that the whole team knew, how can you be so hell-bent on saying, well, I didn't know that this happened? Or then try and clarify a comment sneak and be like, well, I didn't know about it until the following year and he was already gone. It's like, well, which is it, right? Because at a certain point, that is your job as a captain. And that is why I, I don't like what the NHL is doing with just giving C's out to the best player or the highest paid player because it needs to start going back to the guys of the highest character. And I think Taze, to me, with the way that this handled and the way that he went through that whole situation, talked about Stan Bowman in such like a glowing way. I'm like, man, you need to get that seat cut off your Jersey because I don't, I have a hard time seeing so much respect for you and the way that you handled this. Yeah. just, they handled it terribly. I mean, there's, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, for somebody who everybody says, Oh, Jonathan Taves might be the best leader in the national hockey league. I mean, this was the opposite of that. I mean, you have the guys on your team. This is a, a teammate, a brother, and I, I get that he was only with he was with the Black Aces, but I mean, this was somebody who at the time was seen as the future, one of the futures of the organization. It's a first round draft pick. So, I, I, that aside, I mean, just a terrible job done by those guys and the the Blackhawks themselves. It, it, the major overhaul, I think, is going to help. Um, there's there's guys that you know culture guys that you could bring in to try to build this back from the ground up. But hockey aside, I mean, just just a, a poor job done by the Blackhawks and in every aspect. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. It's And that organization, I mean, the, every bad result that they're getting on the ice, they deserve. And how, for some reason, they, they're not even forfeiting any amount of draft picks or anything like that also still blows my mind. Well, they, right? did, they, they got the $2 million fine, which you brought up, but like that's like, what is that? Pennies to the Wurtzes? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean that that arena holds, I think, more seats than any other in the in the league. Like, what do they make that up in? Probably a game and a half. Yeah. In terms of just like concession sales and ticket prices and things. Yeah, especially the Blackhawks. They charge an arm and a leg for you know the cheap seats. So, um, I mean, if I was the fans, I mean, I'm not going to. Obviously, people are going to do what they want, but there should be maybe like four thousand people in that arena every night, if that. I mean, people should, like, I I would never advocate for this. People should just not go because this, it's, it's disgusting what happened, how they failed somebody like that. And it's just, I, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. People are asking me about it. And I'm like, I, it, like, it makes me upset to have to talk about it. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just, for a team that a lot of people looked at as the model organization in sports, and for the way that they conduct business, it just, it's amazing to me how much people can hide from the public. Yeah, I mean, th- that's exactly it. Everybody thought this was, like, the they were, like, looked at, like, the St. Louis Cardinals, the San Antonio Spurs, like, the Patriots. 
that's how they were looked at. Like this, this like factory of an organization that, you know, it's, you know, it starts from the top and how, you know, how sound everything is, well-oiled machine, all those cliches and whatnot. And it's crazy to see what, you know, was actually happening behind the scenes. They were covering this up and I said it before, I'll say it again, it really puts a black eye on those teams that everybody loved. I mean, I loved those, you know, those early 2010 Blackhawks teams. Kane, Taves, Duncan Keith, who's another guy who didn't even, who didn't say anything. I mean, Marion Hosa is one of the most beloved players in the NHL history, yeah. right? Like, it, it's just, it's amazing to me. It's a, It really is a shame. I mean, just how... Just the, the malpractice, I mean, you could even say how it was handled and just, I, I, don't, I don't have anything else to say on it because it just, yeah, like I could barely, I read maybe 20 pages of the, the Kyle Beach statement. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. It just, to have it, you know, I, thankfully I've never had to experience this in my life. Thank God for that, that I've never had to experience something like this with either me or a family member or a friend or anything, but I just can't imagine just turning a blind eye on something like this, and it just it gets me upset. Like, like I, like I'm getting like a little emotional right now. Like how it's, like it affected me, and I'm like, and who am I? I just have a guy who talks about hockey once a week. It just, it really, it's tough to talk about. <sighs> All right. So trying know. to make somehow a positive transition off of that. That's story. what I, that's what I was thinking of with that deep breath. Was how to make a positive transition, but I'm gonna try. Um, the way I'm gonna go about it to get this positive transition is that a stud young defenseman got paid, and that is your reigning, defending, undisputed Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox. He signed an eight-year. $9.5 million extension, sorry, seven year, 9.5 AAV million dollar extension. It comes up to $66 million. Um, there is a no move clause uh, in 2025 through 2027. And then the last two years of the deal are a modified no trade clause. I mean, no brainer to get Adam Fox signed to this deal. I mean, he's one of the top young defensemen in the league. And I think it's just a matter of time before you know, they slapped the C on this kid. I mean, he is here to stay. He wanted to be a Ranger. He got traded twice in the minors. He wanted to be here. He's a New York kid. Um, just a well-deserved, well-earned contract for Adam Fox. Yeah, I really love it how these young dudes are just coming to the league and they come off their entry-level deals and they're just saying, hey, I'm trying to maximize my value for as much as I can and for as long as I can. And, I mean... How can you not say the guy doesn't deserve it? He just won the award last year for best defenseman in the year. He's probably going to have enough points to put up a really good case for him again this year. Um, I, I mean, it's just it's incredible to me. I don't ever remember a time where there's been this many good young D-men like, in the league. I really don't. Good young a position American that's been like, hard for teams to find, just like five, six pairings on here. Um, it's, it's just awesome to see. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously, I mean, I know he plays for the Rangers. I'm, I don't know if you guys have know, but I am an Islander fan. But you know, to see a Long Island kid, he went to school. He he is born in the town where I went to college. I mean, he is, he's unbelievable. He's a New Yorker through and through. He love, 
always talks about how it was his dream to be a Ranger. I mean, he's going to be on Team USA. He's a shoe-in for Team USA. So I think it's just, a, again, a no-brainer to have Adam Fox on the team. That being said, the Rangers cap is going to be a little cluttered moving forward now with some of the big contracts they have. And, you know, th- this is their team now. It's Fox, it's Zabinajad, it's Kreider, it's Panarin, you know, Truba. You know, that's the team. So, and Shesterkin makes, just got paid. So, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for them. I mean, I wouldn't complain having any of those guys on my team, really. Yeah, it's got it's got to be tough so having so many good young players. Must, must be a real pain. Yeah, it's just some of these young guys got to get paid. Like, Keandre Miller's going to have to get paid. Kako, Lafreniere eventually is going to have to get paid. So... Uh, Ryan Strom is a UFA at the end of the year. So the Rangers are going to have a very interesting cap crunch that they're going to have to navigate um, over the next couple seasons. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know, like, what they're going to do here. It's going to be very interesting because I think they're looking at that Truba contract right now and probably saying, uh, maybe that was a little bit of an overpay, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're looking at that Kreider extension and being like, Ugh, that probably wasn't the best idea for us to do at a time like this. Um, you know, I think they had to pay his advantage at. I, it's going to be tough for me to see them bringing Strom back unless he takes a really big pay cut. There's no way. There's no um, way they could bring it back. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going to have to really make some tough decisions on some of these really good young players that they have. Like maybe Kako is, is going to be used in a trade piece um, to try and get some younger guys. Or maybe take on a bigger contract like we just talked about. So, I mean, look, it's a good problem to have. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of teams kind of wish they were in that situation. Yeah, right. But, yeah, you rather obviously have good players than not. But I don't envy Chris Jury right now for what he's going to have to do in the next two, three years. Yeah, imagine being like, oh, we have Zubinijad and Panarin. Like, oh. It's like, this is so... Uh, I have like four... First round worthy defenseman. This Damn, is, this is so difficult. My life is so hard. Um, but yeah, but Gerard Gallant, he's got a, he's got a couple toys to play with, and you know the Rangers are in a good spot. I mean, they've started out great. Um, it's just a matter of and Shesterkin has been. I think if the season ended today, Shesterkin probably wins the best trophy. I mean, he's been unbelievable. So it's a matter of if he can keep it up, and you know they've always had the problem with the Rangers that it seems like they fixed they. With the whole, you know, after the whole thing with Tom Wilson, that is well documented, of course. They got tougher, and some of the guys that they've gotten, they've produced. So it'll be, you know, the Rangers are a team to watch. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they'll they'll be in it for most of the year. Yeah, I think so. They're definitely. I think this team is definitely starting to form its own identity, and some of those young guys are really starting to take, you know, kind of hold of their of their roles um, and starting to get a little bit more comfortable. You know, it's just. Man, boy, I bet they wish they didn't have a hard cap situation, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're like, a, if they this guy only made like a million and a half less, but I digress. Um, so I wanted to go over that before we went over the big news of the day. Nick, I'm going to let you have the floor here. Let me just announce the trade. The Buffalo Sabres and the Jack Eichel saga is finally over. Jack Eichel has been traded to the Vegas, almost said Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, 
a top 10 protected 2022 first round pick and a 2023 second round pick. And Nick, I got to tell you, that's probably the best that the Sabres could do. And if I'm you, I'm pretty happy with that return for a guy who didn't want to play here for about a year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you need to point out the fact that Adams, number one, is only in his second year as general manager, right? Number two, he's dealing with a point of absolute no leverage because you have a player who is not going to play um, because of the medical issues that he's had, and you have a bunch of teams that are just hovering over you like vultures trying to strike and get and find a guy like him uh, relatively cheap. And I give him all the credit in the world for how much patience he and the Sabres kind of put forward to this situation. I know it sucks for Jack. I feel bad for Jack because I think it's at the point now where he's probably out of the Olympic um, the Olympic roster. I know, that sucks. That's what I'm most mad about. So now yeah, he's not going to be on team. But USA. I mean, the per- and, and Jack is honestly the person that I'm happiest for because I think he's going to be an absolute stud in that market. Oh, yeah. I think Vegas... Vegas is finally going to have the one thing it didn't have, right? Like they had a franchise goaltender in Flurry. They've had all these great defensemen, these great wingers, but they never had a number one, true number one center. And that's something that they're going to have now for the next four or five years. So I really do think that this team is going to be this, – this trade, I mean, is going to be a huge success for everybody else or for, for everyone involved. You know, if you're, if you're Vegas and Eichel gets to the back to the form that he was at, you're not going to really give a shit about all the all the picks and comps no. that you gave up, right? They'll be um, they'll be late twenties, if anything. Like, yeah, who cares? And I mean, Vegas is Vegas. Like the whole top and protected thing. I was like, okay, that must be in, in like break class in case of emergency type yeah. of situation that they put in there. Exactly that. So, and then I think if you're the Sabers, you look at it as okay, we get another number one pick. Okay, we add that to the pick that we have for Florida this year. Now we have three in the first round. So you're going to get some lottery tickets, basically, to try and keep building the farm system. And you have guys like Owen Power and Eric Portillo on the way, Devin Levi, um, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, all those guys that are doing really well in Rochester it's right Paterka? now. Paterka? I thought it was Patrika. Paterka. I, turned some, I told somebody Patrika today, so now I have to walk that yeah. back. All right, but go He's on. German. I don't think he'll really care. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. But, I mean... I, I think when you're looking at that and listening to Kevin Adams or yeah Kevin Adams today, I always want to call him Craig because there was a Craig Adams in the league too, and it really bothers me. I keep saying that. <laughs> Kevin Adams talked about today how he's taking the long, patient approach with this, right? Like they're sending Peyton Krebs into the Rochester. Peyton Krebs, who I think has the ability, not just because of a star quality, because of a character quality, to be the future captain of the Sabres Ooh. for a long time. Um. I, I look at him as, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily a center or a wing yet. I haven't really gotten that much. But I think he's going to bring, like, that intangible effect on top of having a ton of skill. And then, obviously, Alex Tuck, who I played against when I was younger, and he kicked the shit out of our team. You did? Um, yeah. I didn't know that. We put, we played against him in the state tournament, and they wiped the floor with us. Syracuse was like, boy. I, think the final, I think the final score was, like, 9-2, to maybe. Um <laughs> But I think he brings that dynamic that they haven't had in God knows how long. That big, strong, skating, power forward type who's kind of a unicorn now in this he's league. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah. yeah. And I, and he's it sounds like about a month out, maybe a little more than a month out from being away. So you're getting pieces that help you a little bit now 
but mostly help you in the future. And look, I, I've been on record. I don't think this, the good start the Sabres have had is going to last. I do think they're going to be, you know, a bottom five, bottom seven team if they have, if they overproduce a little bit this year. So, but again, I like the way that Kevin Adams has done this, the patient approach, which I think you have to do. I think too many people, I think watching Tim Murray try and take the shortcut route and giving up a ton of assets for established players is what got them into the situation, right? Like they tried to rebuild quickly with Eichel and O'Reilly, and obviously that didn't work out. Nope. You know, they tried to rebuild by drafting Darlene and drafting all these other high-end or high-priced, overpriced free agents, and, you know, again, that didn't work out. So I think taking that long patient approach and keeping an emphasis on we're going to need to develop our own and then we're going to pay our own um, is going to be the way to go about it. But I'm super excited. I, I actually like the direction they're heading in. I still don't know if Don Granado or Kevin Adams are the long-term future. Time will obviously tell, but it was a really good move by all. I'm so freaking happy that it's finally over with. Yeah. Because I'm so, I am so sick of getting asked about it. I'm sure Jack Eichel is probably so sick of being asked about it. But I, I think this will be something that's going to benefit everybody long term. Yeah, and I mean, some of the, like the, the guys that they have now, I mean, Alex Tuck, he's still only 25, so he fits this timeline. You know, you start with, you know, the kids that you said that are, you know, kicking it in, in Rochester right now. Peyton Krebs is only 20. Dylan Cousins is only 20. I mean, those are two big pieces right there. Victor Olofsson, he's only 26, so he also fits the timeline. Darlene, 21. Jacob Bryson, 23. You know, these Casey Middlestat, 22. Like, Henry Yokiharyu, 22. Like, these guys, they all fit the timeline. So, I think, by the way, they still pay, they're still paying Cody Hodgson $791,000 for this year and next. Um, yeah, I thought that was three years, but yeah, that would make <laughs> sense. Remember, I think I saw him eating at Buff State once. Um, so... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this was a this was as good a, I think as good a job as they can get. I think the what's it called the Maddie Kachuk rumors that came out last night or two nights ago. I think that was all smoke and mirrors. I mean, it probably would have been like Matthew Kachuk and like Connor Zari and like a couple picks. Like I, I don't even know if that was on the table. Honestly, like the one thing I do like about the Sabres front office is they brought in Jason Carmanos, who has been around forever, and I think he kind of like secretly slid out a whole like hey this other team is offering us a shit ton in a package like you better up your offer yeah and then vegas kind of said all right screw it we have to go all in with this and then finally the sabers were like finally this is what we want let's pull the trigger on this isn't it funny that a team from vegas didn't call the bluff (laughs) sure that was the headline in the news today if that's the case but i was i was thinking about that calgary deal last night though like that would have been literally a win for everybody. I mean, the Sabres would have had to pay his nine million dollar qualifying offer next year, which I don't. That which would have been a little bit of a tough pill to swallow because it's only a one year deal. But, um, like, can you imagine McDavid playing against Eichel in the Battle of Alberta? Like, could that rivalry get any more interesting? I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I mean. God, I hope that's the conference finals. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm just I'm glad for the fans up in Buffalo. You obviously uh, because an amazing. I mean, I, I lived there for two and a half years. I mean, what an amazing sports town! Amazing fans. You know, they deserve so much better than what 
you know, they've gotten over the past decade plus. So I'm hoping this is the start of, you know, something that a team that they could be proud of. And, you know, it's you're starting from the ground up again. There's some obstacles along the way, but this is going to be a good young team, hopefully soon. Um, definitely young. I don't know about good, but I'm hoping that they're trending towards good now that all this is over. Yeah, and I hope this finally closes the chapter, or maybe the end of this season will be, like, it closes the final chapter of what's been, like, the worst experience of my entire life. Like, being a Buffalo sports fan, like, the Bills were always mediocre, right? Everything was always 7-9, to nine, and then they had a couple of years where they went 2-14 and 14 or whatever, and then, like, the highs were, like, 9-7. and seven. So they were always mediocre, and then finally they struck gold with the right GM and the right coach. I mean, maybe this is the case now, right? Like, you never know which of these guys are going to be able to put it together. Don Granato seems like he has a really good pulse on that room, and guys like playing for him. Um, and you just hope that maybe this finally closes the chapter and you can start moving forward with it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You just want to put this in the rearview mirror. It's finally done. I mean, I didn't catch the interview that Eichel had with, um, with Elliot Friedman, but it sounds like... There's no obviously no hard feelings. I mean, it's just something that didn't work out, and he you know he loves the he loves the city, loves the fan base. So, you know that, that they they deserve better. You Nicholas, you deserve better. So I'm hoping that um, you know this is the start of that. God willing, because it can't get any worse. I, I mean, I don't think Knock it can get any worse, but I don't know. Never never speak that too much into existence. Yeah, never say never. Um, all right, so another story from the past couple days. Uh, P.K. Subban of the New Jersey Devils, um, three strikes, you're out. The third time he pulled the slew foot move, I, I didn't see who it was on, um, but he pulls the slew foot and he gets fined $15,000, fifteen grand for this being the third offense of the slew foot. Somebody's going to take a run at him and just knock him out at this point because there's, there's no reason to do what he's doing, and it's so obvious when you look at the videos. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I tweeted this from my account or from the top pair account, but I said just give him 10 games like because enough is enough. Like People, I don't think, understand how dangerous slew footing is. Um, Eric Carlson tore his Achilles because Matt Cook tried to slew foot him, yep. right? There are guys where if you fall the wrong way, you're either you can dislocate your shoulder, you can get a concussion from your head hitting the ice. Slew foot to me is like the dirtiest play that you can have in the NHL, other than swinging your stick at somebody's face, right? I just I can't stand it. I don't know what it would take for him to kind of just get that message of stop doing this, other than a suspension, right? I think he was fined. I can't remember. I think it was fifteen grand or something. Fifteen grand, yeah. That's the max they can find him. It's fifteen grand. But it's just I don't like what. Why do you think you can keep getting away with this? Like, he keeps doing it when the puck is right there and the camera is obviously on you. And now you have a reputation of it where, who is going to believe you if you try and say that's incidental? But these ridiculous leg whips that he keeps trying to do, either somebody's going to get hurt. Or someone's going to bash his face in. And maybe it'll take somebody bashing his face in. But he always does it to the guys that aren't going to stand up for themselves and fight back. And that kind of drives me nuts. I'm waiting for the day that he does it on somebody like Ryan Reeves. And he gets his face rearranged. He did it to Ryan Reeves in the preseason. 
Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Was that the play that Reeves got hurt on or not? Yeah. That was where his knee like kind of buckled oh, a little bit right. or it got stretched out a little bit and he was he was a game time decision for the first night, but man, I can't wait for the Devils and the Rangers to play cuz you know Ryan Reeves does not have a short memory. Um so he's going to he's going to be going after PK, I'm sure. Um but yeah, it, and I like PK Subban, but like you said, enough is enough here. I mean, you can't you just can't be doing that. It's somebody will get seriously injured and then what? And then you know, because the league didn't, you know, doesn't suspend him. You know, all they do is find him right now. If he does it one more time, you got to think, like you said, five to ten games is coming as in a suspension. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand why it takes so long. Like, the league can be proactive with this and just send these suspensions earlier as like a tone setter, right? Like, instead it's like, okay, you're going to lose five grand. Okay, you're going to lose 15 grand. Okay, we're gonna have a hearing with you, and now you're gonna be able to, you know, uh, appeal it. And it's just like, why don't you just drop the hammer on these guys now? Yeah, just especially do for it. someone who's been a someone who's been around for as long as he has. He knows what he's doing, and he knows where the line is, and he clearly just keeps crossing it for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's and somebody's gonna get their wires crossed and just go after him, and honestly, for lack of a better term, beat the piss out of him. So we'll see what happens there. Um... Nikki, that's all I had. Um, did I forget something? I feel like something else happened that I don't remember. Um, I don't think so. I mean, just some other like side stories around the league, like Marion Gabrick, who I thought was retired years ago. That's what I finally retired. <laughs> he retired after seventeen years. Um, Pekka Rene actually going to be the first Predator to ever have his jersey retired by the team. No doubt about that. Yeah. Easy, easiest decision they'll ever make. So happy for him and. and how well he did for his career. Absolutely. I obviously wish he could have gotten that Stanley cup, but, um, good for him either way. Yeah. Sid, Sid had other plans for, uh, for Pecorino's Stanley cup. Oh, and Sid is back. Well, he was back. Sidney Crosby came back from his injury only to be promptly put on the COVID, uh, IR. So, um, you gotta hope that I think he has mild symptoms too. He is vaccinated. So hoping that, a, it's just an isolated case, and B, that he is it a vaccine, vaccine, or is it an Aaron Rodgers vaccine? No, he was immunized, which was like he took like Advil, and he's like, I'm vaccinated. Um, what a what a douchebag, Aaron Rodgers. I know, and like Aaron Rodgers is like my favorite player. What a douchebag! Like, and you see him on the sidelines, never wearing a mask in interviews, never wearing a mask, and he knows he's not vaccinated. Like what a douche! I, like, and I and I hate Carson Wentz, the football player. He's not vaccinated. Fine, whatever. That's your choice. But he's always wearing a mask, so fine. He's following the rules. He's also he's also like clear and transparent about it. He's like, yeah, I'm not vaccinated, just so everybody knows. Yeah, like, he's he, like, it I'm wasn't not like va- one of those like like someone pulled the press comments where Rodgers was like, yeah, I'm treated or whatever. I'm like, in, he's had, immunized. Like, immunized. Stupid, yeah. What? A, it's like, what are you talking about? What a douche nozzle that guy is. I mean. He just thinks he's so much better than everybody. And now the Packers are screwed because he's going to be out a minimum of 10 days and then he's got to test negative twice. And if he doesn't do that, then he's still, he's going to miss two weeks. <laughs> what, well, like, sucks to suck, I guess. Yeah, and it's like, what are the Packers going to do? They're walking on eggshells around him. What are they going to do? They're not going to be like, hey, yeah, go really. get vaccinated because they'll be like, hey, trade me to the Raiders. And then what? And then it's like, they're done. Um... The Raiders I won't even talk about, but um, okay. Uh, 
Nikki, anything else you want to go over before I call another football player a douchebag? Nope. Uh, just keep an eye out now. I mean, uh, some more stories that are going to be coming forward in the next couple of weeks. I know the World Junior schedule is about to be announced. Woo-hoo! That's one of my favorite tournaments of the year. USA is going to be going for back-to-back golds for the first time since, uh, I want to say ever, actually, now that I think about it. Is Spencer it. Knight still eligible or no? Is he, is he I don't think so. I don't think I don't think Florida would even let him go anyway since he's the permanent backup. That's true. Damn it. Oh well. <laughs> They'll just have to win without him. Um, yeah, the World Juniors because there was no hockey on in, in the end of December, January. I was like, yes, the World Juniors <laughs> are on. Thank God. Like, just starved for hockey. So, um, all right. So that's. Pretty much going to do it for this week. Um, I will be in Florida this weekend. I'm going to see the mouse in Cinderella's castle, and I'm going to see there's going to be magic pouring out of my ears at Disney World on Saturday. Um, Nikki, you didn't mention where you were going. Where are you going on vacay? Yeah, we're going to Charleston. It's one of the cities that we both always wanted to visit. Hell and now we yeah. both have, like, PTO at the end of the year, so we're just like, screw it, might as well go. Yeah. Figure out a day. Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose. You lose. <laughs> That's just another word of advice for everybody who listens. Use your PTO. Your job doesn't care about you. Use your PTO. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. We'll see you later.